Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each and every one of you here. And if you're our guest, if you're new to NCC or you're watching online for the first time, let me just introduce myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we're glad that you are with us this morning. And we're in the second week of this series called F is for Family. And we're taking the next few weeks and just talking about what family life should look like. And I realize that as I say that word family, for some of you, maybe it brings a smile to your face. Maybe you remember um, road trips whenever you were younger, fun memories that were made, being around people that you love. And for others of you in this room, when that word is mentioned, family, there may be other thoughts that come to your mind like frustration or, or disappointment or even brokenness that was there in your life. But we know that no family is perfect, okay? None of our families are perfect. But we do want to continue to grow and develop healthy families. And we want to make families that are stronger. And so we're spending these few weeks just talking about this idea of what healthy families look like. And so we started last week, if you weren't here, we talked about just the foundation with our family. And that God has called each and every one of us. He's put us in a family for a reason. And so in our lives, we're becoming more like Christ to help those around us become more like Christ. That what God is doing inside of us is actually affecting our family members and we want them to grow in their relationship with Christ. And then we also talked about being intentional with our time with our family. If you guys were here, that illustration, we can't throw away any of our days, any moment. All of that is a gift from God. And so we want to intentionally invest in the people that God has placed around us, our family members. And so we talked about that last week. And this week, we're going to continue with that idea of healthy families. And we're going to look at what it looks like to have a healthy life if you're single and what it looks like to have a healthy life if you're married. And as I mentioned last week, I have been married for 19 and a half years, okay? Really long time. So I can't really talk about singleness that well, okay? And so um, I realized that there's a large kind of um, year gap whenever I think about being single because it's been so long. So I wanted to kick off this message and have someone share that is in that season of their life. And so if you would welcome Alita Foster out onto the stage. And in case you don't know her, Alita is an amazing young lady who serves here at NCC and she's over all of our finances and facilities and large projects and just so much of what we do here. So I'm so excited that you're here and maybe take a moment if people don't know you and just share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. My name's Alita. Hi, everyone. Um, in January, I will have been here seven years, which is crazy. I've been here for a while. Um, I'm 26 years old. And I'm not married, hence talking about singleness. <laughs> so we're going to jump right into these, okay? We're going to go for the difficult questions first. But maybe start um, just by talking about what you think is one of the biggest struggles or hardships that you face as a single person in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that came to my mind um, was just sometimes the little lies that are easy to believe as a single person. And I do think that this um, relates to a lot of different people, whether you're younger looking for someone or you're older or maybe you date a lot or maybe not date at all. There are these little lies that come in of being unworthy or unwanted um, because you're single. For instance, just like a couple weeks ago, I was hanging out with a friend and she's married and has kids. And for whatever reason, I just had this thought of she's more deserving than I am that I'm not deserving of that kind of love or that kind of life. And those little thoughts when you're single, they, 
they can be louder than when you're married because you don't have that person that you're committed the rest of your life with. So um, I would say, and how I honor God in that is just reminding myself of who I am in him, reminding myself that I am um, wonderfully made and that he has a plan and a purpose for me, even in this singleness, this season of being single, and that he has surrounded me with a bunch of really great people and who I am to them is much more than just being single. For my family and my friends and staff here at NCC, I'm kind and I'm compassionate and I'm a learner and I like to try new things and there's all kinds of stuff and I happen to be single. So I would say that the one of the biggest struggle is just recognizing those little lies you can believe about yourself, about being unloved or unwanted, and then um, honoring God by, by speaking the truth of who you are. Yeah. That's so good. So, so let me pause right here. I did this first service too. Is I didn't know what Alita was going to say. I, I shot her these questions and, and then she kind of developed this. But this is so good. And I think so many times we don't think about what other people think about. You know, we're, we're not in their mind. And so I want to encourage you, even if you're married and you're like, well, they're talking about being single right now. That doesn't apply to me. Take out your phone. Okay. Grab the card there in front of you that says sermon notes. Write some of this stuff down because all of us have people, whether it's family members that we're going to be around the holidays or friends that we have that are still in that season of their life that are single. And so I want to encourage you, God is going to use what's being said this morning to speak through you or to speak into your life. And so we all need this, okay? It's not segmented like, well, I don't need to know that anymore. No, we all need this. And this is some really great stuff what Alita is sharing. So I want to challenge you, make sure you're taking notes on this. So that was really good. I love that perspective of just fighting against those lies. So my second question that I have for you is, um, as a single individual, I forgot my second question. pressured. The pressure, yes. So do you feel that pressure from other people um, to maybe be married or to be in a relationship? And how do you handle that? Yes, yep. all the time. All the time. Um, it's, it's just a common question when you're getting to know someone, even just strangers asking if you're married. Or even like coming up on the holidays, like distant relatives. Like that's one of the first questions because you don't have anything in common. So that's like the first thing that people ask. And most of the time it's done like really innocently. Like it's not meant to to point out anything about you, but sometimes it is disheartening because it's almost like that's the goal. Like you're missing out on something if you're not married or have a family or have kids. And um, so yeah, it does get asked quite often. And a lot of times in our society, it's it's meant to be like, have you reached that status yet? Have you, have you accomplished that goal? And I don't think that that's the way that God sees it. Yeah. And so um, I... I uh, read this or I heard this spoken word once and it really spoke to me. So I'm just going to read this line. It says, I'm no longer going to be weighed down by the concern for my biological clock when I serve the author of time, who is not subject to time, but I am subject to him. And that's genuinely how I feel of I don't need to be worried about I'm getting older or anything like that because I'm serving him and my only goal is to be obedient to him and no matter what season I'm in. So if that's married and maybe you're like a single mom or maybe you're older and single or maybe, you know, in, in married life, like my only goal is to be obedient to him and that includes in this season right now. Um, and there are a lot of verses that talk about like trusting in God, and I think it applies right now. So I'm just going to read a couple verses. It's in Psalms 37. Um, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. 
Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. And I would say when I'm in that place, like when I read verses like that and I'm praying when I'm there, I'm not concerned about it at all. And I don't get stressed out when people ask me because I'm waiting patiently and I'm, um, I'm trusting in God in all seasons of my life. So I'd say, yes, it does. Um, there is a lot of pressure even by society, but never from God. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, so the last question that I have for you is, um, as a single person, what's a tip or what's some advice that you would give to people in this room that are single or as maybe if we're married and we're talking to people that are, are single, that's going to help them just to remind them to be content and enjoy this season that they're in? Yeah, I would say just live an awesome life. Um, it's something that I've learned this last year in First Corinthians. Paul talks about singleness being a gift. And I don't know if I would have, have said that other than this year. I feel like God has given me that gift this year. I've been able to do things that I wouldn't have been able to do before. You know, at the beginning of the year, I made a list of all kinds of things that I want to do. And some were serious, some were really fun. But I've been able to dedicate time and serve with New Youth Culture. And I don't know if I would be able to do that if I wasn't single. And I've been able to start new hobbies and really see myself as God sees me. You know, I've been able to pour into young women's lives and like be really close with family and friends. So I would say... I've seen it so much like a gift from God, and I just pray that as long as I'm single that I will see it as that gift. So I'd love to have someone by my side, but just I would just encourage everyone to live an awesome, exciting life and show the love of God as to as many people as you can. Awesome. Yeah. Can we give Alita a hand this morning? Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I want to to look at this and we're going to look at both sides of this once again what it looks like to live a healthy single life what it looks like to have a healthy marriage in your life and so many times when we hear messages like this right when a when a pastor or someone speaks about a message they're going to focus in on what not to do right don't look at pornography if you're married don't have an affair and those type of things but i really want to focus in on this morning of what do we need to do what is God calling us to do? If you're single or if you're talking with those around you that are single, like what, is it, what do you need to do in your life to have a healthy life? Or if you're married or in a conversation with someone that's married, how do you encourage them to have a healthy marriage? And so we're going to look at a few things with each of these. And let me just start um, just kind of pigtailing what Alita said here by apologizing. Because I think so many times the world around us and even within the church, once again, maybe from a good heart, but we use language that makes people that are single feel like they're missing out on something or they're not complete or their life is somehow lacking in some way because they're not married. And that's not the picture at all that we see in the Bible. So if you've ever been cornered at a Thanksgiving table and someone's asked you, well, when are you gonna get married or why are you not in a serious relationship? Can I just say, I'm sorry, because that's not what the Bible talks about. It's not like your life is lacking or incomplete if you're not married. A matter of fact, as I was thinking about this, I thought about the life of Jesus, okay? And he was single, you guys. And he wasn't awkward, right? He wasn't weird. It wasn't that he was ugly and he couldn't find someone, right? I mean, he's the son of God. That's who this person is. And yet he's not pursuing marriage. He's living in this season that God has called him 
to be in the person that we're all striving to be like he, he was single. That's the picture that he gave. And so I want you to just hear that and understand that this morning, that if you're single in your life, um, it doesn't mean you're on the outside. And if you've ever felt like that, I am so sorry. That's not the picture that the Bible gives us. Okay. That's not what God talks about. And for some of you, you may be single in this season because of your age, okay? There may be kids or students in this room, and hopefully you're not pursuing marriage right now, okay? If you're in middle school, probably not ideal, okay? So, so that may be, it may be the time that God has in your life that you're still single right now. And that's part of what God has called you to. For others, you may be an adult and you may be young, a young adult, or you may be older. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you've been married at one time. Or maybe your spouse has passed away, but for right now you're single. And to you, I would just challenge you with this idea of just know the season of life that you're in and be okay with that. We read this. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 19, verse 11, because Jesus talks about this. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and it's on page 481 of that Bible. So you can take that out and open that to page 481. And Jesus is talking with a group of people kind of in this setting like this this morning. And some of them are asking about um, marriage and divorce, and he's going through this. And then one of his disciples talks about being single. And this is what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 19, verse 11 says this. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have, have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. So what's Jesus talking about? He's saying, hey, there are people for a number of different reasons who have chose singleness in their life. Some have been that way from birth, maybe something that happened by other circumstances that happened in the world. And some have chosen that for the kingdom of God, because of their relationship with God, that they are going to be single. They're going to be celibate in their life and honor God in that way. And once again, that's not a bad thing. It's a calling in your life that God, and once again, it may be a calling for a short amount of time. It may be a calling for a long amount of time. But just knowing that season and accepting God, you're doing something in this moment, God. And there's something that's happening, the impact that I can have for your kingdom, Lord, in this season that you're calling me to, God, it's what I need to focus on. It's what I need to see, God. I'm not missing or I'm not lacking something in my life. And so enjoying that. I've met so many people, even young students that are just living for some future moment, and you're wasting the gift that God has given you right now. And you're just longing, well, someday I'll meet the right girl or someday I'll meet the right guy. Like if I can just get there, that somehow there'll be some completion in your life that is lacking right now. But I would just challenge you, that's not the way it should be. God has placed you in this season for a reason. And so just knowing that, God, what are you wanting to do in my life right now? Lord, I accept that, God, and show me the impact that I can have for your kingdom as I live in this healthy way in my life and what you're doing inside of me. So that's the first thing, just knowing where God has called you and accepting that. Lord, I'm single right now, but Lord, that doesn't mean I'm lacking anything in my life. You're calling me to have an impact. The second thing is this, make, making a healthy life or make a healthy life a priority, not a dating relationship. Okay? 
So I'm pursuing a healthy life. I'm not just pursuing a man or a woman. I'm not just pursuing someone else, okay? That's not what I'm looking for in my life, but I'm actually looking at, hey, God, do, am I living a healthy life? Do I have healthy boundaries inside of me? If not, I can get caught up with this mindset that is so prevalent in the world that I just need someone else to complete me. I need someone else to fill some void that is there in my life. And if I simply had someone else, then I would be happy. And so many of us, we can live that life if we're single over and over again. We just jump from relationship to relationship. We never find out who we are as people. We're always looking to someone else to provide that identity. And if we're not careful, my identity can be placed in who I'm with and not who I am. If you're single, I want you to hear that. There's a danger that your identity can be placed with who you're with and not who you are. See, because if you're a, you're a son and you're a daughter of God, God has spoken things over your life and you can lose who you are by just looking for someone else. And that's not how God wants you to live. And so as a single person, you're looking, hey, do I have those healthy boundaries in my life? Am I emotionally healthy? Am I physically healthy? Am I spiritually healthy? Am I mentally healthy? God, am I placing those things that you want in my life, those boundaries, God, are they there right now to help me to continue to develop and grow into the person that you want me to be? And so I'm doing that. I'm not just looking for someone else to complete me because I think I'm lacking something, but I realize, God, I need those healthy relationships. And once again, if you're single, I want to apologize if someone's ever said, well, you have it so easy, right? You have this carefree life. You're not busy, right? You don't have a wife. You don't have kids. That, that's a horrible mindset. And I would say this as I was studying this week and I was thinking about this. You know what? In some instances, it, it's harder to be single and maintain those relationships. I have natural relationships around me. I go home at the end of the day. Sarah is there. My, my kids are there. You know, if you're married, your spouse is probably in the house with you. And so some of those natural relationships are right there. But if you're single, you have to seek those out in a different way. And let me tell you, they are vitally important in your life. You need people around you that are going to encourage you, people that are going to pray for you, people that are going to challenge you and help you grow in your relationship with God. If you're single right now, that doesn't mean, hey, I guess I don't really need people in my life. No, you need them. You just have to seek those individuals out. And you have to make sure that they're present there around you. Why? Because you're looking for a healthy life, not just a dating relationship. You're looking, God, how can I be healthy as an individual? Paul writes this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. You can write this down and look at it later, but he's challenging this young pastor. He says, Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. It'll save you. Watch your life and doctrine closely. It'll save you. What's he challenging them? Take care of your personal life. Take care of yourself. Look at how you're living your life, at the health that you have in your life, because it will bring salvation to you. And so I need to look at that as a single individual. Am I overworking? Because I think, well, I don't have to get home to a wife or kids, or are there great boundaries of margin and rhythms of rest inside of my life? I need those things. I need them, you guys. As a single person, you're going to need those things in your life. And so I'm looking at those. I'm being intentional about the relationships that I have. And this is why if, if you feel like, hey, God, in the future, I want to get married, like you've placed that desire in my heart, you can't remain broken and think that God's going to bring another broken person in your life and somehow that's going to make completion. You don't take two broken things and put them together and all of a sudden have something perfect or something that's fixed. That's not the way it works. 
And so God, in your life, he's wanting to do something. And if marriage is one day part of God's plan for your life, then right now he's causing health. He wants to cause growth in your life. He wants you to spiritually mature so that you're ready when someone does come in your life, when God does bring that person, that you're not just staying broken or an emotional mess, but that you're healthy in that way so that God can bring someone else to you. And so that's what you're doing is, God, I'm looking for a healthy lifestyle, not just a dating relationship to be a part of. And the last thing that I would challenge you with is this right here. Make singleness your loudest gospel message. Make singleness your loudest gospel message. That may seem like a totally foreign concept, and that may even sound weird as I say that. So let me explain what I mean to you by that. You guys, all around us, there is this pressure in the world for us to be with other people. And once again, that we're somehow missing or we're incomplete in our life if, we don't, if we're not in a dating relationship or we don't have someone else or we're not with someone else, that somehow we're lacking in our life. And the gospel is this beautiful message that Christ completes us. That I'm not waiting for someone else to make me happy. That I'm not just looking for love in another individual, but that's what God has done for us, that it's his love that has been demonstrated in my life. And if you're single in this room and you begin to live out that, live a life in that way that, hey, I don't need just someone else to fix the brokenness in my life. It's what God has done. It's a gospel message to those around you. It's hope to people that are hurting. It's hope to people that are broken. It's hope to friends that you have that are just trying to hook up one relationship after another. And they start to see Christ in your life. And they start to see the example of what God is doing inside of you. And all of a sudden, it speaks volumes to them. And if you're single, you embrace that. And you live in such a way that that is a clear proclamation of the message, the gospel of what Christ has done inside of you. And other people around you are going to begin to see that. And it's going to make a difference and it's going to make an impact. So if you're single, you let the season that God has you in right now be a proclamation of the gospel of what Christ is in your life, of his love and his hope inside of you and what he's doing to redeem and restore you. So I wanna challenge you in that way. So what about if you're married? What does that look like? What does it look like to have a healthy married life? And once again, if you're single, students, young adults, adults, whoever in this room, if, if you're single right now, don't just check out because you know people who are in marriage relationships. And once again, God may use something this morning to speak through you. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And we're going to see this this morning. It's on page one of that Bible there in front of you. And this is the very beginning. Okay. This is at the start of time when God has first created man and woman. And this is what it says. We're reading this account of him creating woman. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man that he should be alone. And I will make him a helper fit for him. And then jumping down to verse 21. So the Lord God caused sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. 
So you guys, don't believe the lie that, oh, marriage is just a government institution, right? It's just something that the government put together to kind of monitor people and kind of control people. That's not what we read from Scripture. This has been going on. God is the first match.com, okay? He's the first one to do this, you guys. He knows what he's doing. And so all the way back in the garden, he knows, hey, I'm going to give man a helpmate. I'm going to give him someone that's going to help. And these two are going to complement one another, okay? One's not there to serve the other. They're there to complement one another and to be a strength in each other's life. And so that's what we see. Marriage is a gift from God as well, just as much as singleness is. And so if you're looking for a healthy marriage, if you want that inside of your life, one of the things that are key there is my partner is my passion. My partner is my passion. And this is what I want you guys to take away. Just thinking about that. That's what God has called you to. Besides your relationship with Jesus, that person, that husband or wife that God has placed in your life, that's one of the most important, vital relationships that you have. And if the passion's not there, you should be concerned. If you're more excited to get up in the morning and go to the business that you own or the workplace as a teacher or whatever your occupation is, if you're more passionate about that than loving and caring for your spouse, something is wrong there. Guys, if you know more stats about the Cowboys and how they're going to get to the Super Bowl than you do about your spouse, there is something wrong there. If you don't know what she loves, her hopes and her dreams, the things that she wants in her life, there's a problem there. Because you've lost that passion. And in the scripture, we see that Adam saying this, this at last, there's some excitement in his voice. This is what I've been looking for. God, you've given me a helpmate. And so we're called that. The person that God has you with, you are called to be passionate for that individual. And if you're married, you no longer have the option to live as a single person. Okay? You don't get the benefit of just waking up and thinking about what you want. If you're married, you're thinking about your spouse. You're thinking about that person that God has given you, your partner there. That's what your thoughts are. You wake up in the morning wondering, how can I serve them? What is it that they need? God, how can I help them become more like you today? Your thoughts are no longer consumed with just you, but they're there for another individual. That's what God has called you to. And so every day I wake up and I'm praying that, God, help me know how to serve Sarah today. Lord, help me to love her to the best of my ability. My day is not consumed with what I want, but God, how can I serve her? How can I serve my family? We need that passion in our life. Why? Because that's what God demonstrates to us. That's the picture that we get all throughout the scripture, right? God's not passive towards us. He's not just like, okay, humans, I created you. Kind of go do your own thing there. No, he's concerned. He wants to be involved in our life. He's pursuing us at every point in our life. He wants that relationship with us. That is what your relationship with your spouse should look like. This pursuit that happens inside of you. And so I want to challenge you that you live that kind of life. What does that mean? It means that you're open and that you're honest with each other right? You have open and honest conversations that are passionate with your spouse, with your husband, or with your wife. You're being honest, right? You're talking about things that you like. You're sharing hobbies with the person that you love. You're passionate about your sex life. Probably didn't think you were going to hear that this morning at church, right? But you're making it better, you guys, right? Sex is a gift from God. And if you're married, that is a gift that God has given you. And so you're talking to one another about what that should look like and how you have a healthy sex life together, right? Because the passion is there. That's what Christ has called us to. And we should reflect that passion that God has. 
And so it's not okay when I hear people say, well, I guess the passion has just died in our relationship. We're older now, you know, we're just, you know, we're just kind of going through this thing together or, hey, we're young and we loved each other at one point, but it's just gone. Or if you're just, how about this one? Well, that's just not who I am. Like, I'm just not a passionate person. And can I say this from the platform? That's just a load of crap, you guys. Okay. That's not okay. Why? Because your heavenly father is passionate. And so if you don't have it in you, you pray for it and say, God, let me reflect that. Let me reflect your heart, God. Let me reflect your character and your nature and who you are, God. And let me pour that passion and demonstrate your kind of love on the person that you have placed here in my life, God. That's what I desperately want, that I would reflect your goodness to my husband or my wife, God, the person that you have given me. You're passionate. And I know that there are people in this room that you're thinking, well, I'm not passionate because I don't know if I have the perfect person. I don't know if this was God's perfect will for my life. Like maybe we didn't know God whenever we got together. And, and so how do I know? Maybe I should just end this and try to start, out, start over so I can find that perfect person. And I want to give you just a little bit of insight here. If you're married, that is God's perfect person for you. You got to hear this. If you are married, okay, when you stood at that altar and you made a commitment and you promised before God and family members and friends, when you stood up there and you made that covenant, that became God's perfect will for your life. And now you have a lifelong pursuit to build that relationship, to develop that relationship, to invest in that, to passionately love that person. That is what God is calling you to. If you've had any questions, let me settle that this morning, that when you marry someone, that is God's will for your life and so you love them you honor them you respect them you give yourself for that person so my partner is my passion the next thing in marriage is I affirm my spouse I affirm my spouse whoever that is in your life and I want to tell you this if you look for the negative in someone you're going to find the negative okay you're going to find it but look at this when we look for goodness and beauty in one another and when we speak words of honesty and life over one another, we become God in the flesh to one another. We're a representation of what God sees in us. Husbands, wives, those words that you speak to one another, they're life to each other. They're a picture of what it is that God speaks over us. And so I affirm my spouse. I affirm what it is that God is doing inside of them. Ladies, if you want to be a queen, then you talk to him like he's the king. You affirm the gifts and the respect that, that God wants to place over their life. Guys, if you want her to be beautiful, then you tell her that. You use those words. You affirm what it is that you see, the beauty that you see in front of you. You speak those things out loud. And if you don't know what to say, just open up the Bible, Song of Solomon, right? Your neck is like a gazelle. Your trees are like the cedars of Lebanon, right? Guys, you don't have any pickup lines. There you go right there. It's in the scripture. You'll get an A for effort, okay? At least you tried something, right? So God's word gives you an idea. This is how you should talk to one another. You affirm each other. You do that because it's a gift from God. The person that God has given you, that husband or wife, they're a gift from God. And so I truly believe this. I, I made a commitment. And I believe this woman right here, Sarah, my wife, the most beautiful woman in the world, that's what I believe, that she is the standard of beauty, and this is God's gift to me. 
And I want you guys to hear this. And, and I don't know that everyone needs to do this. This was a commitment that I made that has helped me in my life. Whenever I stood there on July 25th, 1998, and I committed my life to her, this became the new standard of beauty. So guys, I'm not looking on the computer. I'm not looking on the internet. I'm not looking at a magazine, right? I'm not comparing her to some movie star. This is the standard of, this is the most beautiful woman in the world to me because I've committed my life to her. I'm sorry. I know many women in this room, you're pretty, but you don't measure up. Okay. At least in my mind, this is my standard of beauty. And so I've committed that. I'm not going to go around telling other women they're beautiful. Uh, there's a few other women, my mom and my daughters. Those are the only ones that will hear those words from my mouth beside my wife. Why? Because I'm guarding my heart, you guys. This is the commitment. This is the beautiful wife that God has given me. This is the standard now for my life because it helps me to guard my heart. You need to affirm those things in the person that God has given you. You need to tell that person that gift that God has given you, why your husband or your wife, you need to tell them why you believe that they are beautiful and encourage them in their life, the gifts and the strengths that they have. And when you don't do that, church, when you go into the workplace, when you go around other people and you start belittling the person that God has given you, you're opening a very dangerous door. And I promise you, you don't end up in an affair because one day you think, I'm going to go out and cheat on my spouse. You end up in that place because you've not guarded, guarded your heart. And because you've not affirmed the gift that God has given you, you've not said those things. And you've begun to belittle the person and the gift that God has given you. And that's not an okay place to be. You want a healthy marriage, you speak life over your marriage and over your partner and over the person that God has given you. And the last thing that I want to leave you with this morning is this. Let your marriage be your loudest gospel message. Let your marriage be your loudest gospel message. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31, Paul's writing and he says, For this reason a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife and the two shall become one. This is a profound mystery and I'm talking about Christ in the church. What Paul says is, you want a picture of the love that God has for us? It's present here in marriage. It's present here in marriage. The way that you love one another, the way that a husband loves is what, like that picture there. That's a picture of Christ and the church, what he's given us. And so this is what I want to challenge you with, church. Is your marriage a picture of the gospel? Can someone look at you? Can someone look at your relationship with your spouse and can they say, man, I want to know more about God because of what I see in your relationship? The way that you love her, the way that you love him, I've got to know more about that kind of God that loves in that way. See, that's what it should be like in our lives. Our marriage is a proclamation of the gospel. It's a proclamation of a love that pursues. It's a proclamation of a love that's faithful, a love that's compassionate, a love that serves one another. That's the picture that your marriage should be like that it's healthy and that people want to know more about God and his love because of the example that you're living. And church, for all of us in this room, whether you're single or whether you're married, God has called you into this season of your life. And the way that you live that impacts other people around you. It affects family members and friends that you have. And the question is, are you living in such a way to tell the story of who Christ is, either through being single or through being married. Is the way that you live in those relationships an example of God's love to the people around you? Because church, I think when we get this right, 
I think when we do this well, it's not only going to affect our lives, it's going to affect people's eternity. And we live in a broken world that has a lot of confusing ideas out there, doesn't understand sexuality, doesn't understand marriage, doesn't understand a lot of those things. But when we live this out correctly, you guys, it can bring people closer to Christ. That's what a healthy family can do.